0: We are back for another episode of Terry's talking, David Campbell, sports manager at cleveland.com with Terry Pluto, award winning columnist for the plane dealer and cleveland.com. Terry, we are taping on a Friday this week, which is a little later. We usually go on Wednesdays. You were able to get a few well-deserved days off. How was your time off?
1: We had a great time, but I have to plug something or my David Gray, my publisher, would not be happy. Next <laughs> Thursday, February 17th, I will be at the Music Box in the Flats. Sort of a, I haven't done an event there, but I've told us very nice. And you can go in and you don't have to spend a lot, of, a lot of money there. Or you can have dinner and listen to me with questions at 7 o'clock Thursday night at the Music Box. And it's free, right? It's free. Yeah. Unless you buy stuff, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, to, yeah but to get in too. is free. And then you can buy food and drink and hang out and
0: yeah, talk that's, sports that's with what, Terry. I
1: think that's how it works. Yeah. I know a lot of people have done it. I said it's nice. So there we go. And I All had right. a good time in Southern Ohio, did some hiking and that. And now I am back and energized. And before you start, I've got a, uh, a, a really good, uh, really good stat. The Cavs record right now, and you're going to have to guess is 34 and 21. Okay, Davis, so that's yep. 55 goals. A year ago for 55 games, their record was Uh boy, I'm going to say 15 and 40. It was 20 and 35. So it was better than I also thought. I was in your my mental guess was somewhere around where you were too. They were really fading at the end of the year though last year.
0: Yeah. And so a lot of, I, I don't know why I was stuck on 15, but it seemed like they had lost a lot early, but, well, that's, that's really something um, we're going to get into. I, I know JB Bickerstaff is one of the front runners for coach of the year, but um, that is some turnaround. And, and Terry, the, the thing that Cavs fans have to be excited about is they've built this thing the way they want. They've got a great yeah. young core. And now they're going, we haven't really had a chance to talk about the Karis Levert trade, uh, they're kind of moving to make this so that things can happen this season. We've, all, we've always been talking about, oh, well, don't expect too much in the playoffs. They're young. This kind of changes the equation a little bit, doesn't it?
1: I think so. The idea being that, you know, before, if you even got in the play-in tournament, it was good. And now I think they want to ensure they're in the top six so that they don't have to get into, you know, where you could just get wiped out in a couple of games so they they want to do that and then secondly uh well let's let these guys loose and see what they do uh with another guard and you know the the fans are worried about what they can do with all these guards that has never been a problem this year they've never had enough guards really at any point this year if you look at it because uh, even early in the season remember the was out for i think two weeks with something or other a hip injury and you know all know what happened with Rubio and so getting Levert you know helps you this year he's under contract for next year and they didn't touch the roster at all that was a key thing and you've been writing about you know whenever
0: there's a trade and this was a big week with the trade deadline for the NBA everybody always looks at oh what's this guy averaging points rebounds assists blocks you wrote today about how even as important as it is those stats that Karis LeVert would, will be his stats will be bringing to Cleveland, but there's more to it than that in terms of fitting into the way this team plays. And you were writing about how defensively and mindset wise, this was a, a great fit.
1: That's what the Cavaliers have told us. And I, and that makes some sense. I mean, Jared Allen playing with him in Brooklyn, played with LeVert, uh, bigger staff is pretty plugged in around the league. He has a good idea kind of on will this guy buy into the defense and that and that's why you know when I heard this stuff on Dennis Schroeder and I kind of like Schroeder a little bit but then I was told well you know he may not be exactly sort of a Cavs kind of guy meaning and you know the will you defend and will you um Bickerstaff said a very interesting thing he said these guys really don't want to disappoint each other and that is a thing where it's well beyond stats, and it's the key to their defense because if you're going to help each other on defense, um, that will make people happy. If you don't, it will disappoint them. That's why in the past the Cavs sometimes had some big guys who could defend the rim, but every time like Tristan Thompson or somebody would jump off to uh, help out on defense, um, he'd leave his man open and nobody pick him up. So you would get upset about picking up the guard that's driving to the rim. The other guy, just gets his man just gets the ball and dunks it. Well, the Cavs have not had a lot of that. Or if it happens, that team usually has to throw two or three passes. They really have to work for their points inside. And they don't want anything to disrupt that. That means Karis LeVert has got to make a really good effort on the perimeter to guard whether it's a small forward or a shooting guard that he's on or a point guard. He could, They could use him in all three spots. And then he has to scramble to help get in there and, and defend with the rest of the guys. Or this isn't going to work. And they feel that that will – I mean, David – their defensive stats keep going up and up. Now they're second in the league defensively. Now they're allowing the fewest points. Uh, I think it's 101.9. Uh, there's all kinds of stats on, you know, they have the best. It's the hardest to score, like within the five feet of the rim of any team in the league. They're the hardest to score on. And you want to keep, because that gives you a chance in the playoffs. And that's probably why they thought, well, let's go get over And it's Ricky Rubio, who's, As an expiring contract, you know, we fans, Cavs love fans, love them. but he can't play this year. So let's use that. And yeah, you know, hit giving up a number one pick, but you know, the Cavs should make the playoffs and that won't be a lottery pick. And so why not?
0: Yeah. And that word, they don't want to disappoint each other. It really kind of hit me when I saw that quote, a lot of coaches will say, Oh, these guys really want to impress each other or they want to support each other. And the way JB phrased that, they don't want to disappoint each other. It, that really speaks to the defensive mindset uh, that that you were just talking about. And Terry, you had a really good stat too. The Cavs are 19 and three. This is from your column today. They're 19 and three when they hold opponents under 100 points. And Kevin Love is leading the team in taking charges, which pretty much by tells far. you all. You, by, by far, yeah, yeah, he's he's got 12 more than anybody else, which you also had in your column today, and that tells mm-hmm. you everything you need to know about the way these guys play, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. Here's a guy that was, you know, has been a, I don't know, six time all-star and uh, some people think, think he'll be a, a first ballot hall of famer. I'm not sure about that, but he has a chance to get into the hall of fame at some point point. and that um, he went to the bench and he's taking charges. Now he did that when LeBron was here during a total year, he was good at that, but all the injuries he's had. In fact, I might tell Kevin, be very careful on this. We don't need you taking a charge and something happened to that calf muscle. But it it does show we're disappointed. And see, the standard is already set on how they play. That's the other remarkable thing is JB was able to say, okay, this is how we're going to play. This is what it's going to take. And they've already bought into the point where they know what the standard is. So they know what it would mean to disappoint your teammates. Where where we've seen so often with all the coaching changes, all the player changes, I mean, how the heck – I don't know some of the years when, when these guys were – I don't know what they were supposed to do. Are they, they were, were they a running team? I don't know what defense. They just – they were guys just scrambling around. And we've seen now Cavs playing some of these teams like Sacramento and even uh, you know San Antonio with, with Popovich coaching with all these young guys. They're just – there's talent out there, but it's just clueless. It's completely disconnected. That was Cleveland until this year.
0: Absolutely. And two more things real quick on Levert. Uh, Number one is that he's an Ohio guy from Columbus. Uh, He played in high school ball in Pickerington. And, you know, there's a lot of guys who come in from other parts of the country. Maybe they were born and raised in California. And even though they're playing here, they always want to get back west to play for their hometown team or whatever. Like the Cavs are Ohio's team. And that in terms of keeping him here long term, that's got to be a positive,
1: uh, you'd think. And the other thing, yeah, go ahead. It helps it
0: makes it easier.
1: It just makes it easier. Yeah, he gets
0: he he gets what it's like to live in Ohio and understands what Ohio Mm -hmm. is and the weather and everything. And then the other thing that I think is really people I'm surprised that fans are saying to you that they're the Cavs have too many guards and how are they going to play all these guys? When you you know how it is in the playoffs, the court shrinks, the defense is ratcheted up to levels you don't see during the regular season. And when the shot clock ticks down to seven. You need a guy who can make his own, who can create his own shot and make it. And you cannot, it's like you always talk about having uh, defensive backs. You can't have too many defensive backs, right? Uh, you can't have too many guys in the NBA who can create and make their own shot, regardless of what position they play. And this is just another option for the Cavs when that, when that shot clock is ticking down in the playoffs.
1: And the only guy really that was able to do that, um, Rubio could do it some, then he got hurt. Um, Sexton could do it some, you know, he got hurt. So that left Garland. Because uh, right now, Coral, just, Coral and Lamar Stevens, I love their defensive uh, mindset. They're fullbacks going to the rim. They like to do that. But they're not going to, you know, create a lot of shots for themselves. So you're correct. And that puts a lot of – I know they wanted to take some of the burden just off of uh, Garland. So LaVert can do that. And and we'll we'll see. But they don't – you know, Kevin Love. Big guys, it's hard to create. Why well, I say create your own shot because uh, – by that I mean where you kind of isolate him because even if you want to throw to the to the guy in the low block you kind of have to set that up now Evan Mobley may be able to learn to do that we've seen sometimes where they've given him the ball on the wing and he's gone to the rim but he, if you watch he's still kind of slow and, and trying to set all that up but uh, Levert, can, Levert will get some shots off they may not always go in but they'll get them off and sometimes too, when you have a really tall team, your guy driving to the basket, he goes, he misses the layup, but he causes a scramble situation on defense, and all of a sudden your guys are getting offensive rebounds. Mike Fratello, when he coached the Hawks, when they had uh, like Tree Rollins and a bunch of other Antoine, um, a bunch of other tall guys, Livingston Dominique, on that team. Yeah, Livingston. Mm-hmm. And they have guys like that. He says sometimes I just told Dominique, just go throw it up there, and we'll go get it. Yeah. <laughs> If you miss it, don't worry. I'm saying the big guys, we're all going to the boards. We're just going to go get it. Well, it, it sounds a little strange, but there's some very truth to that because when you have a, an athletic guy going to the rim, everybody is going to pay attention to him defensively, and those other guys, nobody's blocking them out.
0: Oh, we might see that. Throw it up and go to the rim. It could be yeah, a new play. Go we get see. it. <laughs> throw go it up it.
1: go get <laughs> it. Go, go get the
0: rebound. So anything else on Levert or kind of how this is going to fold together in terms of how long it will take him to – kind of get acclimated with the cats yes, I mean,
1: when they looked at the different guys Gordon gets hurt a lot you know they didn't I don't even know if he ended up getting traded I think he did not um and then Schroeder is kind of selfish uh doesn't like to defend but he can score Schroeder can but he that so probably of the, of the group it was the best and it was the one they targeted and right now Kobe Altman's on a hot streak I mean at some point he's going to make a move that doesn't look real good but when you go back it's now 13 months starting with the jared allen deal you know everything he's done um, has been just top notch you know even the larry nance deal you know nance just got traded to uh uh new orleans from portland and there's his he's been out almost a month with the knee now they're looking at it does he need to have knee surgery that was always a concern with larry jr was his health so we're marketing has been out with high ankle sprain but he's going to come back and um, uh, and that's the thing they played good defense without them, but they're better defensively with him.
0: Yeah. And, and the, the other thing is these guys, as marketing comes back and everybody gets healthier, they'll be able to distribute the minutes a little bit more as they get closer to the sure. playoffs. So guys are a little fresher. So that'll be good. that will be good when they get healthier. So and another reason Terry for this trade was the East is nothing special this year. Like it's all mm-hmm. hanging out there. So, um, I, I was just looking at the schedule coming up. The Cavs have one of the easier remaining schedules in the NBA. So we can run through that real quick. They have a three game trip coming up, heading into all-star weekend tonight on Friday night. They're at the Pacers at seven tomorrow. They're playing at Philadelphia. I have been trying to find out if there's any reports on whether James Harden is going to play. He hasn't played since February 2nd. Uh, did you see, did you see the NBA reserves selection with LeBron and Kevin Durant. The, uh, no, I didn't. They, oh, they were down, Darius.
1: We're fighting over Darius, I guess.
0: They were down to two players. It was Rudy Gobert and James Harden. And Kevin Durant mm-hmm. was, it was Kevin Durant's pick. And LeBron just started cracking up and put his clipboard up in front of his face because he was laughing. Durant did not pick James Harden. He said, well, you know, with the way some of the guys on LeBron's team are playing, we need the defense. So I'm going to take Rudy Gobert. And LeBron just started laughing, so he's yeah. like, "All right." I ain't and LeBron says, "All right, we'll take James Harden." And he says, "Is James Harden even healthy?" And Charles Barkley said, "He just got traded, so of course now he's healthy. He's ready to go." Now, now he's he healthy, traded. yeah. <laughs> so we'll see what happens I mean, tomorrow. But and that it's was a phenomenal. we see.
1: You know, Philadelphia is going for it with Harden. Thank goodness, early in the year, when that Ben Simmons stuff and Kobe Altman did tell me we're not doing Ben You know, he did talk in the offseason about Ben Simmons, but no, the minute he saw, once they came back and they were six and five early in the year, it's like, no, no, we're not doing anything weird. And I'm like, thank goodness. It's a team good enough to say we're not doing anything like really, you know. Uh, I remember one of them, one of Dan Gilbert's, uh, he would call them isms. is like, he used to say, just take the roast out of the oven. And what he meant was you don't have to cook everything all the way through. Take it out and eat it. And we'll, we can put something else in the oven. Stop pulling things out of the oven. Let it simmer.
0: Yeah, and that's what they did. And, can you you know, some of these guys that, that were kind of bandied about by Cavs fans, they, they don't want to disappoint each other like that. And so yeah. anybody you bring in has to fit that or the whole thing can start to deteriorate. It's We've just, talked it's about like that, I like heard
1: it. a lot of some calls on love, but you're not trading Kevin Love at this point. You finally got out of love what you want, which is this veteran upbeat leader. He's there. And having a blast. And having a blast and helping you win. And they just got to watch his minutes, though, David. They're going to be tempting. They they, they have to keep it like under 25 most games.
0: Yeah. And, and they've been pretty good about it. So hopefully down the yeah. stretch, I'm sure they'll be watching that. So anyway, tonight at Indiana, tomorrow at Philadelphia with or without James Harden. Tuesday, they play at Atlanta. That's at 730. And Terry, that takes us to the All-Star Weekend, which is here in Cleveland. Next Friday, Saturday and Sunday, 18th, 19th and 20th. Uh, Evan Mobley and Isaac Okoro will, will be in the Rising Stars game. And that will be on um Saturday night, if I remember. And then Darius Garland was playing in the All-Star game on Sunday. So anything else on the Cavs you want to get into? We covered a lot of ground there.
1: No, it's just a shame Jared Allen didn't make it. But, hey, it's great that you could talk about all these guys. For sure. For sure.
0: All right, Terry, let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk some Browns. We'll talk about your faith column this week. We got some really good Hey Terry questions. I hope we can get to all of them. We will do our best. And we will we will be right back on Terry's talking. We are back on Terry's Talking, David Campbell with Terry Pluto. Terry, let's talk a little bit of Browns here. Browns fans are still wrestling with the fact that the Cincinnati Bengals are playing in the Super Bowl on Sunday. Where, where's your head at with all this right now? I know it's it's hard for Browns fans, but there's some hope here, right, in terms of you know an AFC Central team making it, a team that has been traditionally worse than the Browns in a lot of ways
1: in recent years. Where are where you at with all this? Yeah, I- I'm working on a column for this weekend. And first of all, um, while football is not my favorite sport, if I had to pick how a league should be run in terms of giving all its members a chance to win, the NFL far and above all the other leagues, I don't know hockey well enough, uh, David, maybe you could speak to that because I know we have some hockey fans. But compared to baseball and basketball, the NFL gives everybody a chance. I mean, you can win a title in Green Bay. Green Bay's the size of Canton. You can do this. You can win a title in LA. You can win a title in Cincinnati. And yes, you can win a title in Cleveland. And when you fail to do so, you don't do as well. It's not because the other guy has more money or a bigger market or a better TV, uh, cable TV. It's because the other guy did a better job. Now, sometimes you're lucky and you draft Tom Brady in the sixth round and he becomes the greatest ever. Uh, but you still have to supplement Brady over all those years, as Belichick did. And they have to be a combination that could work together for so long without killing each other, which they did for like 15 years or whatever it was. Nonetheless, it doesn't matter. Nobody sit there going, the Patriots are winning all those titles because they got the Boston market. doesn't mean a thing. It could be the Boston chicken market. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you are, You just have to be... Where you're doing a good job picking your players, coaching them, developing them, all that. The Cincinnati Bengals went from two and fourteen to six and ten with their quarterback having an ACL surgery to the Super Bowl. The Browns and- went through all that stuff a couple years ago. They did go eleven and five two years ago. They did beat Pittsburgh. Now this year was disappointing but they didn't go to uh, so so 17 games they didn't go to like 5 and 12 they went to 8 and 9 and the and beat Cincinnati in Cincinnati up. yeah yeah when, when they were playing
0: for real yep that's why i didn't so, mention the second game but yes yeah.
1: yeah so that's so that's all i guess what i'm what i'm saying is the league is set up for you you know to win the nba does have a salary cap but the, there are so many exceptions and because only five guys play at a time, one player makes such a dramatic difference, you know, as we have seen. Uh, you know, baseball is just, I'm not talking about, baseball not talking to me. They've put an embargo on talking to media. I'm not talking about them. And the, even worse, they're not talking to each other at the bargaining table. But that's because their whole economic system is also very flawed.
0: Yeah. And, you know, we talk about the Bengals and how far they've come in such a short time. Uh, I wanted to mention real quick, we have a a nice series up on cleveland.com right now. We're calling it earning, earning their stripes and our colleagues, Doug LaMaurice, Dan Lobby and Ashley Bastock have been taking a look at like the Browns are doing a lot of things right. And the same way the Bengals are the only thing they're not doing. and, And we've written a lot about this, Terry. They're not scoring points. And so we're looking at three positions kicker, quarterback, and wide receiver. Where if the Browns can elevate the play they're getting at those three positions, that there's no reason they couldn't be the Bengals of next season uh, and make it to the Super Bowl. Uh, but what's your take on those three positions? Can those make enough of a difference that the Browns can get where they want to go?
1: Well, spend some money and get a kicker. I don't want a rookie kicker. And I know Evan McPherson is a rookie for the Bengals. And He has been huge, but in general, most of the time, these guys have to be cut a a time or two to figure the NFL out and, um, and kick well. So find a veteran kicker. And that shouldn't be that hard. I'm very certain, but you have to really want to, it can't be an afterthought. Although a guy sends me, a a guy sends me an email says, I think I'd said it to you. Did you see the one? The trade Baker Mayfield for a kicker. Yeah, I did. We got that. We'll see if we can get to that one. I think it's a relation. I think it might have be, might be a relative of Phil Dawson, but uh, not. He has nothing against Baker, but you know Phil's always. In fact, every week when there's something in the playoffs, and Phil, it does not really. You know, he's not real harsh on Twitter. He'll just put up and and oh, I forgot. Kickers don't matter. You know, whenever a guy would make a big kick,
0: subtweet well, of the year, know, right?
1: So they should be able to fix it. Um, What are, what are the coming out of the series, David, about receivers? What are they, what are you guys finding for there?
0: Yeah. Just that the Browns need somebody who can get the ball deep down, you know, take the top off of defense, get, make a big play in the red zone and get into the end zone. The Browns are very, and we, and we've covered this a lot too. And this is something that um, we've asked Kevin Stefanski about, about the Browns are so far off the grid when it comes to running 13 personnel, which is three tight ends. And
1: so you're looking for, Meaning a tight, tight. they run it. They run that three tight ends more than anybody else, more than
0: anybody else in the league by a wide margin. And if that's right. what they're going to be, like, how does a, how does a speedy, reliable, deep threat fit into that equation? And there's kind of a question of, all right, if the Browns do draft somebody who can take the top off of defense in a first round, how are they going to use that receiver? Mm-hmm. Will they run as much 13 personnel and keep the three tight ends on the field or maybe take one off so they can get more vertical passing going so those are kind of the unknowns that we don't know uh where we're at but there's no doubt like they got to get more production out of that
1: out of that position i mean they only got One a handful of the touchdowns from to the receivers it. yeah yeah i'm looking at seven touchdowns by the way from wide receivers this past mm-hmm. year seven um uh, even the year before it wasn't that many it was like 11 or 12 so and my biggest thing now takeaway from what obj going to the rams is not that he is the OBJ of New York and this great receiver, but he's a real threat in the red zone that was absolutely wasted here. That is, and that's an indictment of coaching, I think. Well,
0: and there was no Cooper
1: cup here either, which makes a big difference. Yeah, But still, why is it though? He's making tough catches in the end zone, David. True.
0: And he you wouldn't know? even see the ball a lot in the red zone with the Browns.
1: Yes, he wouldn't. Secondly, and I wonder on your thing, cause this is, uh, you know, just like I love basketball and I, you know, my dad played a year of minor league baseball and I covered, those are the two sports, but I covered the NBA for seven years. I covered major league baseball for six and one year, I mean, full-time. So I feel more uh, comfortable talking stat, those type of stats or, and things than I do football. But, all right, you have this, as you say, three personnel, the three tight ends, but how much are they really getting out of these tight ends when they're out there that much?
0: They're getting production, but it's short production. I mean, you, you rarely see a tight end running a pattern more than 15 or 20 yards mm-hmm. down the field. And so defenses, I think the Browns saw this, and the fans did too. Defenses started to crowd the
1: line of scrimmage, and dare the Browns to throw over the top, and, and they couldn't do it because some of these tight ends, you know, they're they're basketball players and they're like receivers. But maybe you know we talked about the Joku, and you would flash that periodically, but there's no consistency. Hooper, I've seen none of that. You know, he's just a possession receiver, and then he dropped too many balls this year. Uh, I do like Harrison Bryant a little bit, but you're playing three tight ends, but none of them. It's a a Chris Palmer line. He helped me a long time ago. We were talking about evaluating your team. He says, well, pretend this is back when uh, the Browns were really bad. He says, well, pretend you're, uh, uh, you're looking at our offense is there anything, any one player that will keep you up at night at all? And, you know, I said, well, you know, Kevin Johnson at that point is a pretty good kind of possession receiver and that. And he said, now you see, there's nothing that we have because this is what we need. Cause he was talking about going forward. Um, we need a player that makes, gives the other guy um, a reason to stay up and, and look at your team. And he said that, and you look at the Browns, um, any of their receivers slash tight ends, none of them make you do that. So yes, you've got a lot of tight ends and I don't mind having three tight ends if one of them keeps the opponent's coordinator up at night, but they don't. Yeah, and
0: it's funny. I was talking to Lance Reisland, who's the former uh, head coach at Garfield Heights High School. He's been doing a lot of film analysis for us and he was telling me this week as we were looking at the Super Bowl, Jamar Chase runs four kinds of routes that's it his route tree is four routes but the thing is he's so fast and has such great ball skills that he wins whoever's Mm -hmm. up against him on those four routes he wins those four routes and you know and you're talking about someone who that's the kind of guy that keeps you up at night it's like all right even if we put our best cornerback on him we're going to have to bracket him, give help, because otherwise he's going to win that one on one matchup. And you're right. Like the Browns have nobody like that right now who keeps opposing defensive coordinators up. They don't. So that's going to be one of the I things mean, this offseason. They got to find help. Like,
1: I don't know. Who, who are the best tight ends that you like?
0: In the league right now or coming out of the yeah. draft? Um, no, I know. Yeah. I mean, you know, you look at guys like Travis Kelsey, and, and yeah. I think that's the prototype for what a tight end can do. Don't, you mm-hmm. look at them too, and they have Tyreek Hill and and Hardman, who, like it's they open the field up vertically so that Travis Kelsey can get into those seams. And it it, it doesn't all work in a vacuum; it all plays off of each other. So I think if the Browns so do, gonna do find and a player, or if two, were... yeah, if yeah. they can find a guy I... or two who can do that, I think the tight ends might even be more effective
1: because of that. But if I were Andrew Barry, and you're correct, I would say, "You, yes, this is like Barry speaking to Stefanski. Yes, we're playing three tight ends. What are we really getting out of them? How much money do we want to now invest in Njoku? You, Yeah, you got these tight ends, but what – and it's not as if it's helping the receiving core. So there's something systematically off. And I like the accent on the run, unlike a lot of other people who just want to go back to throwing the ball over the place – no, I like, I, I do like the accent run. It helps. It keep it rest your defense, you know, especially when you got the type of offensive lineman they have. And I mean, right now the Browns have granted. All right, let me finish the sentence. The, the pro bowl, sometimes like the national honor society at some schools, it, it honors good. It doesn't necessarily honor great, but it honors good. And so the Browns have five pro bowlers. You've got, well, um, on the offensive line, you got Teller and Batonio, and then you have um, Chubb and you've got on defense, you've got Ward and you've got Miles Garrett. That's not a bad place to start. A guy in the secondary, a pass rusher, a running back, and two offensive linemen. Thats not, That's not an expansion team. That's starting a franchise at a really good point. The only guy there, whose contract is up at the end of this next upcoming season is Denzel Ward. And I think they're probably going to get him signed. They're really working at that. So you have those things. And that's why I wrote last week that, you know, they will look hard at somebody like Cousins or someone else of that sort, because they're thinking if Baker, if we have Dallas and Baker, can we put, you know, our version of Matt Stafford, into this situation with some tweaks so I don't know if they will but I know they're talking about stuff like that
0: lots of puzzle pieces to be played with and figured out it's going to be a really interesting offseason Terry running a little long here but I I, I wanted to get well number one let me get this in before we move on because the Rams are going to be they're playing Sunday and I, 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 Cleveland fans, I don't know if you found this through the years, but Cleveland fans love draft picks. They love keeping first round draft picks yeah. and the team taking first round draft picks and watching the first round draft picks develop. And I think in some ways, I think sometimes Cleveland fans overvalue first round draft picks more than I think fans in other markets. So I don't have anything to back that up. It's just kind of a feeling I get, but I'm looking at the Rams. Do you know how many first round draft picks they've had in the last five years? Hmm. None or two. None. None. They didn't have a first round pick in 2021. They didn't have a first round pick in 2020. They didn't have a first round pick in 2019, 2018, 2017. In 2016, they took Jared Goff with the number one overall pick. And of course, we all know about the trade they made last March when they sent Goff and a third round pick and a 22 first round pick to the Lions and they got Matthew Stafford. So I just wanted to throw that out there because Teams go all in, and the Rams have gone all in, and they're in the Super Bowl, and they might win it Sunday. And I just want to kind of get that on, get that out there, just so fans can think about it a little bit. Sometimes, if you use the first-round picks right, it can make a world of difference right now and get you where you want to go. So, I thought or that you was can come to a team like
1: Cleveland, David. This will make give Browns fans a reason to grab the etc. And you come to a team like Cleveland, and say, you know. You took that guy Austin Corbett in the second round, and looks like you never play him. We'll give you, a, I think it's a fifth round pick for him, and uh, you don't you don't have to worry about him. Do you know Austin Corbett has started every the first game. There he didn't start. Since then, in two thousand and nineteen, till now, he has started every game at guard. He's helped out at center. In fact, right now the Rams are having some problems on the line. They're trying to figure out center or guard so exactly what happened here he could not crack the starting lineup when he was here and we never heard why i was told that the uh freddie and whoever the line coach was back then he came from green bay just didn't like him and the rams took him and just dropped him in there and played him and played him and played him and he's still playing, and they're in the Super Bowl. And see, that's this is kind of stuff, though. Yeah, you can say with the Browns worked out because later on they get Wyatt Teller and all that. But at that point, you know, when you picked him, the, remember he was Chubb was not the first pick for the Browns in the second round. Austin uh, Corbett was in eighteen. By the way, that Brad Osflower deal. would well, they don't make that trade. They don't draft Chubb because that was the pick that was used and you obviously if you're looking at your draft board they must have had corbett rated over chubb or you wouldn't have taken him. yeah that's
0: the way their draft board had to fall you're right they wouldn't yeah. have done it so
1: yeah so i'm just bringing that up and that's sometimes how you get to the super bowl
0: moves like that yeah all right terry we, let's move off of football you got you want to make a pick for the game sunday
1: i think the Bengals win They're (laughs) they're
0: four and a half. The Bengals are four and a half point underdogs last time I checked. So, which uh, doesn't mean a whole lot when you got Joe Burrow on your team. So we'll see. No, it it.
1: doesn't.
0: Yeah. I'm picking the Rams. I think they're going to win by seven. So maybe 28, 21. Let's go that. All right. Hey, Terry, your faith column this week. If it's okay, I wanted to read this letter that you led your faith column with. It's going to be on cleveland.com Saturday and then in the Plain Dealer on Sunday. And you write that you received this email from Ed. And that's not his real name. But on Christmas Eve of 2014, we learned that our 32-year-old son was diagnosed with a brain tumor. I wondered how this could happen to him and his mom and me. I went to a very dark place mentally and became very angry and negative. To be frank, I became a jerk. I picked fights with everyone, his doctors, his nurses, and even his dietitian. I remained in darkness until our son was released into rehab. I quickly learned that no matter how badly we thought we had it, there were patients and their loved ones going through a much worse hell on earth. Hope was nearly gone for most of them. Now, when I run into a nasty waiter, an angry customer at a convenience store, or someone just wanting to pick a fight about politics, I remind myself to pause and consider that they might be experiencing something as painful and as gut-wrenching as what my son and our family went through. Our son went from his teaching position and the dissolution of his marriage to now teaching children with severe autism. Thus far, he's getting clear MRIs. We're so fortunate and blessed. And that was the start of your column, and then you kind of went off from there. So I just wanted to give that as kind of a, a, a kind of a foundation for what this week's column is. And it was it was a very touching letter.
1: Yeah, it was, and it's it's a one where, um, to Ed's credit, he had a look in the mirror. You know, why am I being a jerk? And he looked beyond the, it's so unfair what happened to my son, to, you know, why am I being unfair with the dietician of all people and everybody, else? which is what happens. So uh, I think you'll see, you'll find a lot of things in that column, but the letter moved me. And um, he also, it was some other stuff he sent me. It's like, then later on, when he starts going off, he remembers, no, wait a minute. This is just me reacting to something else. It's not because... Uh, you know, the guys just having a hard time with the cash register, you know, at the store or whatever.
0: Yeah, and just, uh it, it's amazing to see what, it, there's always somebody going through something worse. And we've talked about this, yeah. but you always think you have it bad until you kind of, and he, he really, that really struck him when he was going through the treatment. And, in and the a summer. willingness
1: to look deep. See, that's what I liked about the letter. Not that something goes bad, and I've done it in my own life We have a family problems, suddenly I'm not very patient with anybody else but a willingness to say, no, this is why. And that part is on me. You know, the old line, I can't control everything that happens to me. I can't control how I react to it.
0: That's a great mindset to take. So, well, listen, check out Terry's faith column. Like I said, it's going to be online on Saturday morning and in the paper on Sunday. Always a good read and kind of a good way to start the week. So, all right, Terry, you ready for some Hey Terry questions? Sure. I wanted to thank everybody who's been sending these in. we are getting so many good ones and I don't, we're not going to get to all of them today. We're running a little bit late, but uh, we will keep them on our list and we will get to them as soon as we can. So uh, Terry, you wrote a column a couple of weeks ago about Bill Fitch uh, after he passed away. And we got a good, um, this is kind of a good Bill Fitch question. Hey, Terry, this is from Bob. He says, Hey, Terry, Bill Fitch had some great Cavs teams, especially the miracle of Richfield.
1: What was the reason he left a few years after? Well, the team started to go down. That was number one. Two, he had a a tip that Nick Mileti at some point was going to sell. And the Boston Celtics were looming out there. And what a chance to go because he went from Cleveland to the Celtics. So that was the real reason. You know, Bill, do you look at Bill's record? He coached for five different teams. And generally, he kind of knew when it was time to hit the exit door. Okay.
0: Um, another Cavs question. This one is from Jim Carney. He says, "Hey Terry, does adding Karis Levert spell the end of Colin Sexton? I know you said teams will be reluctant to trade for him given the surgery on his knee, but the Cavs took Kyrie first overall and then Garland maybe with the three or the five pick, but pretty high. And they were still rehabbing at the time the Cavs drafted both of them. I always thought meniscus was far less serious than an ACL. Sexton and Levert seem to have the same skill set, but Levert is taller." What do you think the uh, the arrival of Lavert means for Colin Sexton's future, Terry?
1: Well, it means one thing. You go to Colin Sexton and say, "Okay, you could take. He's a restricted free agent. You could take the one year qualifying offer, and guess what? You're coming off the bench next year. Or, you know, we don't need. You don't want to just toss him away, but you could you could set a whole parameters of his role differently. Secondly, I always thought that too. The meniscus is sometimes not that big a deal, but In two of these cases, first of all, Darius Garland had a meniscus when he was playing at Vanderbilt, the Cavs draft, and he played only five games at Vanderbilt. But then it it was kind of – it was out there, but it's not mentioned much. He had a second surgery, uh, a second cleanup before the season, his rookie year, and that's why he just – he was terrible. You know, he couldn't move very well and everything else. But he had two scope cleanups. So sometimes they aren't as benign as you think. And clearly, the way they shut down uh, Sexton so quickly for the year, um, this was not just an ordinary meniscus. I'm not saying it's career-threatening. I'm just saying it wasn't ordinary. So that's the the deal there. You know, Levert's under contract for next year. And when I have Darius Garland, I like a bigger guard next to him, Levert or Coral. That's what was working for the Cavs, too. It isn't just that Sexton was, you know, handling the ball too much. It's that now you get high – garland size because they had these two guys coming off the bench and stevens and okoro and those guys are i mean they're ready to beat on everybody else like the rest of the big guys so um it just is a better fit but i, I think Sexton's an asset an asset with very little value uh, around the league right now
0: all right good answer I, I i followed it all that and i think it makes a lot of sense so all right we've got another we have a browns question terry this one is from tom bradfield he says hey terry Tell you what should be done with Mayfield. This is the question you were talking about before. Trade him for a decent kicker. Bad enough he was the worst QB (laughs) in the division last year, even a grade below a QB who stayed two seasons too long in Pittsburgh. Of course, he's talking about Big Ben. So, (laughs) you're a proponent of kickers, but.
1: Yeah, Baker's one of the hardest questions. It really is. I mean, we could joke about the kicker thing, but, I mean, who is he? Is he Baker of 18 or Baker of 19? Is he Baker of 20? And how much a Baker of 21 is healthy? And how much a Baker of 21 is some sort of regression? And they are going to probably even spend too much time talking about this with the Browns. And the problem is, you really won't know the answer, whether he's playing here or elsewhere, till he gets on the field next year and you see how he plays.
0: Well, that's the big question.
1: You know, it's like Stafford and Goff got traded for each other. Right. In other words, there's quarterbacks coming and going. I'll take your guy and some picks. You take my guy. That's really the deal that would come up. Like Minnesota, say, all right, we'll take Cousins. You get a cheaper Baker. We get give you some relief on the salary cap, and we'll check back in a year and see how it went. <laughs> I it's mean, but it's that's a crazy
0: idea, day. but it, I, I can't ever remember seeing anything like it. But you can hey. always
1: say, well, you know, but but you could throw in your kicker too.
0: Is an is the player to be named later, right? Like in baseball, oh, I mean, yeah. This not one make it <laughs> All right. Yeah, some of these are some of the I, I want to hold some of these, Terry. These will be good for next week. They're a little bit more involved. But we do have one from Kathleen Thompson, which we kind of got into. Um, Kathleen's a longtime listener of the show, and she says, Hey Terry, Kobe Altman is amazing. He got Karis Lavert without giving up any core players, which you mentioned earlier. Pretty impressive,
1: right? It really is. Yeah. I guess. And apparently, um, he he also had the ability to, to take Levert's salary because they were matching it up with Rubio's. He had the, a pick he felt he could give up. Um, Kathleen, by the way, is a rabid Cavs fan. I don't think she wants any of her favorite players to go anywhere, so I'm sure she was happy about that too. Um, but it's it it is good to see that because I was told at the start of the trading deadline, I wrote this that the cows, I was told by a high, high official quote We're going to work around the edges." And what he meant was, you know, this is not a, this is like landscaping the house. They're not going to go tear it down. And that's what they're able to do is, you know, bring Lavert in without giving up a lot. And we'll get a chance to see him. It's a nice audition. Then if you like him, you could try to extend him. And if not, you know, he's a guy with one year left in his contract. You could probably try. Heck, you could trade him. You could try to go get Rubio back. You do a lot of things.
0: If it was up to Kathleen, she would trade future first round picks just to keep the guys here because she loves. Yes, them Yes, she would. <laughs> and she she's
1: I mean, she does go back to Bill Fitch and all that. She was very close with Joe Tate, her and her mom. So, um, yeah, she she just I know she's in heaven right now, like a lot of the, a lot of the uh, Cavs fans because it's been such a wonderful surprise. That's the yeah. nice thing about this year.
0: And it's really been a team that has brought together old school fans and the new generation yeah. of fans into everybody's kind of coalescing behind it. It's been really fun to watch. So, all right, Terry, we're running short on time here. I, I'm trying to keep us moving, but let's do a Terry's trivia question. We know, and we mentioned this earlier, JB Bickerstaff is going to be in the running for NBA coach of the year. There have been two calves coaches who have won NBA coach of the year.
1: Who are they? It's not Don Delaney. <laughs> Who was a very nice man who was Bill Fitch's assistant and a former coach at Lakeland Community College, who actually was an interim coach a couple of times back when they kept hiring and firing Musselman. I'm going to go with Lenny and Mike Fratello, but I don't know the answer.
0: Those are good guesses. Um, I I thought Lenny would have for sure won one along the way, but he did not. The only two are Bill Fitch in 1976, and that was the miracle of Richfield season. Although I think the voting is usually done after the regular season, if I remember. Yeah. But the Cavs were 49 and 33 that season. And then the other one, which I had forgotten about was Mike Brown in 2009 when the Cavs went from 45 wins to 66 and they lost in the Eastern Conference Finals. I believe that was really? Orlando, if I remember. Yeah, yeah, I thought for sure Lenny Wilkins would have won it somewhere along the line. Right, but- and, and
1: Mike Brown, because it was all LeBron, you know, the, whoever has LeBron usually doesn't end up being the coach, so that coach of the year. By the way, the voting is done after the regular season, so you don't have the playoffs to, to look at.
0: Right. I just wasn't sure during the Bill Fitch era if that's how they did mm-hmm. it, too. or if it, But even always back was, then, you're yeah. saying it always was. OK, good. That's the way it yeah. should be. That's the way it should be. So. Um, all right, Terry, uh, I know you have some book signings coming up. You want to talk. The one at the music box is coming up on Thursday. the 17th. Yeah, that's Next the last week,
1: one, the only one. So that's Thursday night, the 17th, 7 p.m. at the music box in the flats. I will be there. And uh, already they're selling some tickets and their people are coming. So you can check it out online. And they can go to the Music Box website to get. Right, and I'm putting it up on Twitter and Facebook. It's up there right now, so.
0: Great. I've been talking about how you can get a Hey Terry question in. You can send that to Terry through his Facebook page, or if you want to email us, you can send your question to sports at cleveland.com and just put Hey Terry or Terry's Talking in the subject line, and we will try to get to it. We got a lot of good questions for next week, Terry. We didn't have time for today, but we will get back to those. So any last thoughts?
1: No, that is it, David.
0: All right. I'm glad you were able to get some time off and get out into the wilderness. It's always nice to get out for a hike. I hope to do that sometime here soon myself. So thanks for making the time, Terry. Thanks to all of you for listening. Our audience keeps growing, which is very exciting. and We appreciate you being along for the ride with us. We will catch you next week on Terry's
1: Talk.